What up, Bakotunes listeners? It is I, Matt Munoz from Bakotopia, and we are celebrating hip-hop at Bakotopia.com in December with, yes, another slamming episode of the Bakotunes podcast brought to you by, of course, Bakotopia.com. This episode 58 features the blunted, budtastic brothers, the Cottonmouth Kings. This crazy SoCal crew has been smoking out stages since 94 with both roots in the punk and hip-hop world. Kings co-founder Brad Daddy X Xavier took some time out during the latest Cloud9 tour to kick it with Bakotopia to talk about everything from music business and, of course, Bud. Pop open a cold one and enjoy this is the bakotunes podcast episode 58 brought to you by bakotopia.com well how's the tour going right now man tour's going great we're hitting some crazy weather we uh hit some pretty uh, radical snowstorms up in minnesota milwaukee we actually our bus ran off the road into a ditch but no one got hurt that gave us a, a scare the other night but we're okay what do you guys have planned for the clown nine tour we have the cycle of we we tour we do a record we tour we do a record kind of thing every time we do a new tour we do like a whole new stage setup and stuff so this cloud nine tour has been pretty cool we got a real cool stage set the first time i heard cottonmouth kings was was for the soundtrack to scream too and that was like oh man that was like the, the 90s and ever since then the, the group has managed to stay on the scene and like completely independent you guys have kind of evolved and just stayed busy there's a couple things that go into that you know we we run and operate our own clothing and a record company suburban noise records and srh clothing you just might see the spade around town we diversify it's more about a lifestyle you know more than just like one band we have uh, on suburban noise records we have over 20 acts on, on the label as far as the cottonmouth kings are concerned every single year we make new records we're constantly documenting the band we're constantly growing writing songs and Instead of it ever getting stale, a lot of bands will put out a record, then you don't hear from them for three years or something like that. But a lot of that has to do with the uh, timetables of major labels and these big corporations' release schedules and all the things that they make artists go through, you know. But we're totally autonomous and completely independent, and and, uh, we're on our own timetable. We answer to nobody. We do things our way. We work at the we embrace technology. We embrace the internet. A lot of people are in fear of it in the music industry because it's changed the business so radically. But we've embraced it. And I think we make innovative and different records. We don't sell out. We stay true to what we do and, what, and who we are. You know, we, we make hardcore, uncut, raw music for people who like the music like that. Like, in a nutshell, like, how did you guys start that? You know, the group got together and then you said, well, we're going to start Suburban Noise Records. Did it start at the same time? I started Suburban Noise Records to release the first time. Now King Record. That goes back a little history. I was promoting nightclubs at a company called the Artist Group Network. I used to promote nightclubs and stuff like that. And I was in a, a band called the Humble Gods. Steve Oak and John Richter grew up in my neighborhood out in Orange County. When we were growing up, we grew a few blocks apart. And when they, you know, started wanting to come out to shows and hang out at the clubs once they got out of high school and they're always rapping and they're just really funny characters, I told them, hey man, we, we should start a, a group with you guys at the studio at my house. So started making beats and we'd start making songs for fun, you know, and they started coming out pretty good and then it just kind of organically evolved. Next thing I know is we had about 20 songs and I said, you know, and I want, let's put this, let's release it. I'm going to start a record company, so we're going to put this time out, King Record out, boom, boom, boom. And right when we were in the process of, of doing that, starting the label, putting all the artwork together, got done recording our first, you know, first record, that's when all these major labels start stepping to us, Interscope, Electra, Capital, and we wound up doing a joint venture deal for Suburban Noise and, and uh, Cottonmouth Kings on Capital Records for the first record, like Suburban Life. That was one of the um, songs that wound up on the Scream 2 soundtrack. That was one of the promises they made to us when we did the deal, that they'd break our song on a soundtrack. That was cool, got us 
a lot of exposure real early, which obviously helped. You know, we went from just being a local, you know, Southern California band to having national exposure like that overnight. Definitely helped get the ball rolling in a big way, no doubt about it. Now, Wu-Tang Clan, they're going to be here the, the next night here in Bakersfield. They have a lot of members in the group, and they obviously, you know, you read about it in, in some of the magazines, the source and all that stuff. They obviously have a lot of family-like quarrels that show up when they get together, and it's always kind of tough. Do you guys ever have problems like that? You know what? We don't. We've been touring for years. I think that there's a... I can't really compare the inner workings of another group or organization that I don't personally know. We've done shows with Method Man before, and he was great. And we did shows with Red Man and Snoop Dogg and different groups. They're a completely different animal from what I understand. As far as touring is concerned, like, we get out grinded out like a rock band would. I mean, we're on a tour bus. I know they do, like, shows, you know, apparently from what I hear, they don't show up to half shows. They show up late. There's always some kind of drama around it, but which probably adds to the mystique in the long run. But I, I, like I said, I can't really comment on a, on how the other workers in another group. This is like a brotherhood over here. We're all, you know, friends before this started, and I hope we will be friends for the rest of our lives after this. Well, I think there's a mutual respect we all have for each other. Everybody respects each other's uh, talents and strengths and gifts that they bring to the band, and we're able to, you know, we kind of depend on each other. It's like being like soldiers, like we're in the uh, foxhole. These are the guys we're in the foxhole with. Pretty much when we go out here in this world, we play in Chicago, Detroit, going all over the country. It's us against the world, you know, we're in some gnarly cities, and it's just, we got to bond together like brothers and, and make it home, you know. For example, we're just one, one little story. We were in Minnesota the other night. Some crackheads tried to break into our equipment truck, and then Dirtball and Big B, who were on the bill, you know, Dirtball saw, saw him, and hey, what the fuck, get away from the truck. And the guy, like, charged the motorhome they were in. And then, to make long story short, within five minutes, there's two crackheads laid out on the streets of Minnesota in the snow, but uh, thanks, to Big, thanks to Big B's left hooks. You say you put out a, a record a year, and I was looking at the discography, man. You guys are, you guys got a lot of material. And per record, do you guys usually release everything you guys re write that year, or is there just like a lot of unreleased stuff? You know, how many songs make the cut? Yeah, well, that's a good question. We found when we go in to make records that no, not all the not all the songs we do make the records. So what we did, which is kind of that kind of worked out pretty good is we started a series called the Hidden Stash and right now there's three Hidden Stash series Hidden Stash 1 Hidden Stash 2 and Hidden Stash 3 and what that is what the Hidden Stash series are are the songs that didn't make the records maybe a song for video game collaborations uh, you know the songs that were just, just did not not necessarily on the Cotton Out King quote unquote full lengths you know what I mean so yeah. we started a series called the Hidden Stash which became a real popular series because I was amazed how many people want that kind of stuff want the stuff that didn't make it you know there's so, always so those there's, gems there's always those gems that people will find and latch onto, and they end up sometimes becoming bigger than some of the songs you guys intentionally released absolutely some yeah. of those songs are the biggest downloaded songs we have on the internet I mean, it's, it's crazy that's cool you know what I mean that, that means it's a home for some orphan songs you know but let's talk about another subject that is very identifiable with the group the issue of the herb how important is herb to the group well it's like this whether you smoke herb or don't smoke herb, that doesn't qualify you as a Cottonmouth King fan. You know what I mean, I mean, there's plenty of people who don't smoke weed that like the Cottonmouth Kings. You know what I mean? It is a theme of the band. We do believe in true personal freedom. We believe that every human being and every individual has the right to make that choice. I don't think any police or government agency should make that choice for someone who's not hurting anyone else. They want to put a seed in the ground in their backyard and grow a plant and at that time harvest it and roll it and smoke it or do whatever they're going to do with it. I think that should be the individual's choice. The concept of a plant being a prime is, to me, just an absolute ludicrous, mind-boggling concept. You know, I, I like uh, the same. The 
the creator that created all forms of life, the fish, the ocean, the birds, the animals, the tree, everything natural in this world created to plant marijuana. Use it or not use it, that's your personal choice. But for some government or some police agency to make that choice for you, to me, is fundamentally wrong. But, you know, hopefully we have a way in this society of making wrong look right and right look wrong. But, you know, they could spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on this fucking war. You know what I mean? Arm 18-year-old kids with AK-47s and, you know, send them in a battle in harm's way. But yet if you get caught with a joint, you, they're going to put handcuffs on you and throw you in the cage. It seems like we got some some hypocrisy going on and hopefully like through our awareness we do get involved with some organizations and hopefully we start to spread some awareness and just get to a more realistic view of decriminalizing the plant you know times have changed i mean since you guys first came out have you guys had any problems legal wise do you guys have people following you because of you know you're preaching the word and the imagery and all that stuff well, here's what it is. The bottom line is we do live in America, a beautiful country, where we have this thing called uh, freedom of speech in the Constitution. And we still, by law, do still have the right to free speech and the right to assemble. So as far as us speaking about herb and the injustice of whatever we speak about, we still have the right to do that. So we don't have any problems from that, from that perspective. Just like there's a High Times magazine out there, just like there's a Playboy magazine. If you're a hustler, if you want to go 7-Eleven and buy some porn, you know, your choice to make. Different states have different laws. So yes, we've had police, you know, show up to our shows. We've been banned from places. We've had a bus to search, all that stuff that goes along with it. All of it's happened through the years, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're a target as we travel around the country, so of course we're smart about it. We don't travel with any amounts that are going to stop the show from going on, you know what I mean? You know, we have the Wu-Tang Clan and we got Cottonmouth Kings here. You know, both hip-hop groups, but kind of opposite sides of the spectrum. And, you know, hip-hop music has, has crossed all cultures. When you guys came out, you know, post-Beastie Boys, and was there ever a struggle to be taken seriously as, as white hip-hop artists? Well, it was never a struggle for us to be taken seriously within ourselves because we took ourselves serious. I think everyone's polished their game and improved their skills, and as we've grown, I think everyone's become better, better lyricists and better writers and all that kind of stuff from, from doing it so many years. But, but from the beginning, I used to be signed back in the day prior to time. My kings, I was signed to uh, Easy E's label, Rufus Records. So, I mean, obviously, I know it's very easy to discredit the Cottonmouth Kings because we're white, and that's what usually happens. We, we usually, like, critics or people, whoever, oh, they just, all they say about they're just a white weed or white boy rap band that throws to the side, you know? But they don't take the time to research the, the layers and depths in our production and I put our beats up against anybody's beats in the game, period, end of discussion, you know what I mean? I, I, I think our records will stand up to anybody's records, period. We played with them all. We played with Eminem. We played with Cypress Hill. We played the great Snoop Dogg. We played with Method Man. We played with everybody. We've done tours with alcoholics. We played, you know, we played with everybody pretty much that, you know, that, that we love and look up to in the hip-hop game. DJ Bobby B, our DJ, he's been DJing hip-hop club for years. He used to be in a group called The Neighborhood. He used to DJ with Chevy Shank and Ice T's DJ. Bakersfield has a huge cottonmouth fan base. I mean, I've seen you guys here plenty of times, and it's always just jam-packed. You know, do you have a message for fans? I would just say stay free, stay down for the crown, and just live your life, man. Walk in peace. Uh, make Live every day like it's your last. We're going to do a giveaway through the magazine for uh, some Cottonmouth Kim Swag, some skate decks. We're going to put together a big contest because every time I do a contest for tickets for your guys' show, I always get a big response, like probably the biggest response of any artist that we ever do. Oh, so, that's uh, great. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. That's just great. Come on down. Bring the mags down. I'd love to see one. You, you got it. Absolutely, man.
All right, man. Well, you, okay. you take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Get your high on. Thank you, Brad Daddy X, Xavier, for passing the J. And don't forget to catch the Cottonmouth Kings live at the Dome in Bakersfield on Friday, December 21st, 2007. And don't forget also to enter to win a huge Cottonmouth Kings prize pack featuring a King skate deck, CDs, T-shirt, and all kinds of cool stuff. Visit www.bakotopia.com. That's B-A-K-O-T-O-P-I-A.com. And enter keyword KMK in the search box. Thanks for listening. This is Matt Munoz from Bako Tunes and Bakotopia. Peace. <laughs> My high is so far on, I don't want it to come off now. You know what I mean? Bako Tunes Radio. <laughs>